Welcome into the official Guru Nation Fantasy World Podcast. I got my guy Justin Lum over here. How we doing? Here we go. Here we go. We got the content back up for you guys. The official GNFF podcast is back. We got a lot to talk about today. A lot to talk about. We're going to cover a bunch of different things from recent trades going on in GN. We even talk 2020. 2020 picks. We're talking rookie pick, talking rookie landing spots. Um, a lot to cover. A lot to be excited about show. right now. It's that time. It is that time. It is that time. And there, there's a lot to pack in here because it's been a couple weeks since uh, um, last podcast. So we definitely got to crank some things out here. All but right. definitely the lead story is a nuclear trade nuclear. with AK and York and Matrix. Break down that trade right now. People know, but we just to say it, it's pretty it's pretty nuclear. It's wild. It is wild. Yeah, nuclear. It's not a blockbuster trade, it's nuclear. And it, it was. I mean, this is probably one of the biggest trades, at least from my time inside Guru Nation. This is probably the biggest trade. Besides your trade with Keenan, <laughs> with the Keenan Allen <laughs> trade. It is. Rivers. Because it takes a lot to give that up. It takes a lot to click and make that decision to say, yeah. I'm giving this away and I'm getting this back. And for, both sides. for AK, he was never going to trade Zeke. He'd always mentioned he was never going to trade Zeke and then it happens now. So he obviously felt like he was getting something good back. Let's break it down though. So from York side of the view, he got Ezekiel Elliott, he got Deshaun Hamilton, Marquise Lee, and 202, 202. Yeah. 202 and then on Aaron's side he got uh, OBJ Joe Mixon and the 28 so essentially if we're breaking it down from like the main value components of the trade it's Zeke for OBJ Mixon and then a little value is heading York's way in terms of moving up a few slots and then getting a couple depth pieces in Marquise Lee and Deshaun Hamilton. These guys are like all in right now. Yeah. I'm telling you from just the outside looking in, it's going to be fun to watch, see what happens. I think these guys will t- face each other in the playoffs. That would be great like, wow. storyline wow. ending or development out of this, that this trade can affect, affect so much. AK is definitely all in. Like the guy, yeah. I think at this point, we were just talking about how he gets trolled on, he gets bashed, and he doesn't care anymore no. because he has already like gone through the fire and been scrutinized with every move he makes, and he really doesn't care. Just the other day, which we didn't even put this on the show sheet, but the Doug Baldwin, yeah, <laughs> Doug Baldwin retirement, you know, everyone was just so ready to just blast AK as this yeah. sad news of Baldwin came out because <laughs> he truly believed yeah. that Baldwin was gonna be okay. Um, but anyways, he, he's all in, and a lot of people just said that he didn't make the right choice and that York is winning on this trade. They're still saying that right now in the forum, mm-hmm. but we, we did a poll. We did a poll on Twitter. We did a poll. 200 votes, 198 to be exact. 89% favored AK side. 89% said that he got better value on this trade, getting Mixon and OBJ. And it sounds great on paper. What do we like about... We're going to go over both sides. What do you yeah. like about what AK got? He got two studs for one. Like, at the end of the day, like, when you look at AK's roster, the main, the main question, it, it, was, it, was always a, it was always a huge concern, the depth. The, there's no depth on his team whatsoever. If an injury happened to a guy like Zeke or happened to a guy like Keenan, like, his team is one of the worst in the and league. Injuries will happen. We've injuries learned, always we happen. We play long enough that they, they always just happen. do. Now you get two studs who mix in top ten running back and OBJ top five receiver, like, Two cornerstone assets for one. Even though Zeke is probably going to be the most valuable asset in this deal, um, I mean, just just the, the pure fact that he was able to get two studs for one is definitely This is definitely 20, 20 points a game for both for me of these sets. guys. You, you, you're looking at average. Yeah. You, you hope that's how it works out. 100%. It's huge. And, and then uh, York, on the other hand, has this huge stable. He has Fournette. Chubb and Zeke, and that is just like that's nice, that's threatening, that's very dangerous. Week like, in, week out, if those guys stay healthy, that's going to give him a weekly advantage against exactly. any other team. So, you see why he did that? He was looking at the big picture and saying, yeah. This is going to be my stable, even though he had he had Mixon and he had OBJ, yeah, and he had just traded for Mixon just Jersey. a couple weeks yeah. ago. So, maybe he thought that, like, I mean, he got a, I think he got some good value back in that Mahomes trade, he got two first round picks in Mixon and Curtis Samuel for. Mahomes essentially. So and his you, quarterback is still Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott. So it's a solid quarterback. So he's in a position where he felt like he may have just been getting good value mixing, and he thought that that was just an extra piece to get Zeke. One of the. I mean, how? I mean, if you have a guy like McCaffrey or 
Kamara or Zeke or Barkley, those guys, to really be able to trade for one of those guys is it's, like, it's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard. So, but if you got a guy like AK, he's, his door is always open. Door is always open. That helps in GN. Yeah. And we we're just talking about man, like you can't let the influence of people in the GN league like influence your moves because then it it just complicates things for you. It's really crucial. The the little cult that we talked about, yeah. and how how everyone can like throw each other off with the smoke. Yeah. Whether it's smoke or not smoke, because yeah. we're talking like every day. Whereas in you're in a league where you just make your moves, you go about your business. There's a lot of just noise, mm-hmm. so much noise, man. And uh, shout out to both these guys for like ignoring the noise and doing what they had to do and making a blockbuster monster deal happen. And then again to bring up Deshaun Hamilton and Marquise Lee as good depth, you could get a future starting receiver out of Deshaun Hamilton. Yeah. New York could very well hit on this. 202 pick right here yeah it's definitely. a good spot it's a great spot when you look at what 202 is versus 208 i think there's like a at like pick 20 to pick like 22 that there's a drop off after that like there's a solid drop off from like the values to like all right now we're just like kind of taking some lottery tickets here um so i think that getting that move up from 208 to 202 is something that shouldn't be understated because there's going to be a good guy that falls to 202 it doesn't matter what position you need like really any position there's going to be a good guy that's going to be available there so I, I really like that from uh, York's perspective, getting a little extra value back there. So um, I thought that was okay from him. And one is AK the pill master? AK. <laughs> <laughs> what does this mean? Like we're seeing the evolution of AK, such an enigma in the league. He does some ridiculous stuff. Wild. But yet he's not afraid to do it. And then this deal. Now we're seeing some. There are people. Yada, a sworn enemy of AK, said that. He flat out won this trade. Yeah. There are, you were the first to say it. There is a handful of people that are like, hey, York, I don't know, man. I'm questioning what you did. Yes, yeah. the, the Zeke name, it's, it's the big brand, but at the same time, did he give up too much? Is there a way that he could have gave up Mixon without giving away OBJ? Do you think that was possible? 100%. Do you think that was, that was effort? I, 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 don't, I don't know what the conversation was like between the two, so I don't know what it would have been. All I, do, I do know one thing, though. If you're going to get Zeke away from AK, you had to give up a lot. Like, like, you had to give up more than what Zeke was worth, like more than his weight in gold, um, if you wanted to get him from AK. Because I just think AK, AK loves Zeke. You've like, done negotiations with both these guys, Yeah, I'm sure. You talk yeah. to them constantly. Like, mm-hmm. you take me through that conversation if you're in this room for this trade. What do you think, how it how it Evolved. One thing I know about both of them is when they both like a guy, they're gonna do whatever it takes to get them. Like, like I, I don't, I don't think they really look at like obstacles or whatnot. They're they like, don't hear no. Like they, they'll figure out ways to recount. Exactly. So they're they're gonna find a way to make it happen. Now, um, I'm sure he came up with Zeke. He's like, he, he, I'm sure he probably started off with like OBJ versus Zeke. Like, I'm sure that's where like the talks probably started. It was OBJ wow. versus Zeke. And then AK, looking at his team, understanding he only has Derrick Henry and Adrian Peterson, if he trades Zeke away, he needs another solid running back back. Mm-hmm. And knowing that York only had the top-tier running backs, like Chubb, Fournette, and Mixon, and there was probably a drop-off in running backs, he knew that he probably needed another running back back because he's not going to trade for like a backup running back or whatever. He needed another yeah. stud running back. So he's probably asking for both those guys. And um, I assume York wasn't going to give up Chubb. This so yeah. early in Chubb's career, and I think Fournette was floated out there. Possibly. Possibly. I don't think he wanted to give up Mixon, but in the end, it was Mixon and OBJ that package. Yeah. I just feel, and I don't know if AK, maybe AK didn't want Fournette, or maybe AK did want. I don't know, but I think it was one of those pieces. Those two were the pieces yeah. that um, were gonna get moved to get Zeke. Definitely not Chubb. Hundred percent. Yeah. And I think one thing about both these teams is they're they're super top heavy. Like they, they both know it. They both have really good starting lineups. Their depth is I'm not gonna say shaky, but it's it's not it's not as like profound as you like. Like there's not a middle ground. It's either you have the studs or you don't. And that's that's one thing with York is he has those studs and then there's like a drop off. You don't have like a guy like a a Cooper Cup or like a, someone along those lines is like a middle tier kind of player that you can start and be comfortable with. He either has the studs or you don't. So if you like getting like that fair value in the middle to add with OBJ was probably a little tough. So it's like, are you either going to give up two studs or are you going to like trade away some extra, a bunch of draft picks? You know? So with all the talent in Matrix, with all the GMs there, 16, does AK make the playoffs? 
I think so. I think so after this move. I mean, we're look, we're looking at his team right now, and mm-hmm. it's very solid. It's a very solid team. He's totally changed this team. He's he's tra- changed a lot. So if you look at the starting lineup now, you have Russell Wilson, Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, his wide receivers, Odell Beckham and Keenan Allen. Very that's that's one of the best wide receivers. Lockett in his slot, Lockett, in the slot now and then, uh, the flex now that Doug Baldwin has Corlin retired. Sutton in the flex as well. Um, definitely questions at tight end position with Jason Witten, Ben Watson, um, whatever. But one thing I also like from AK is he got Gio Bernard back. So if anything does happen to Mixon, he does have his backup plan there. So Yeah, and then don't sleep on I know this is probably the last time we see Adrian Peterson play, but right now he's still slated as a starter. That's mm-hmm. good for depth at the running back position. And then defense is huge in this league. He's got the Chicago Bears defense. 100%. And I also feel like um, from York's perspective, he traded for Mike Williams. Once he got Mike Williams, I feel like he felt um, – uh, felt OBJ felt comfortable with it. I mean, when you look at his depth now, um, his team, his starting lineup is now Mike Williams and Brandon Cooks at wide receiver with uh, Fitzgerald and Crowder in the slot. His running back, Zeke, Fournette, Chubb. Wow. Like, it's, Shout out to you. That is yeah. a, overall. See, see, York may have in on paper to, to the majority lost a trade, but his roster is yeah. very, very diversified. And yes, he traded Mahomes, but Dak Prescott is fine to yeah. have as your starting quarterback and then yeah he's got he's got good re- and he still stashed josh gordon i see still got him still got him wow he's flexing man it's, that's what he's doing he's flexing his uh he's flexing his um his muscles right now with those three stud one wide receiver let's backs. move on to the let's move on to this trade that just went down with obj yeah it's a Spitadamics. Wow. So this, this was one where we'd known that OBJ was on the block for a little bit. He had been talking about it. And there had been a trade offered earlier that never ended up coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. You look at the embargo with Jason. There's an offer on the table for 1-2, 1-7, 20, 21 first. Uh, and David Njoku for OBJ, Funches, and 2-15. And that was going on all day from yeah, what I learned they were talking about that and there were some elements that were put in and that were taken out to make this trade happen but in the final hour Jason pulled out and had nothing to do with it and then Spitta in dramatic fashion he had to put out an official embargo <laughs> on him but what do you think about this value like if this would have went down I think it's solid I think I think if you're trading OBJ that's something that you want to especially if you're looking for like more of a rebuild approach like this is the perfect trade if you're trading OBJ for a rebuild approach and Joku young tight end heading his third year getting a 2021 first getting the second pick in the draft to get a really cornerstone asset on your team and then getting its seventh pick, which is also another solid pick. So is Njoku undervalued in the Browns' offense? Mm, wow, that's a tough one. Because um, now it, the, the hype is on, of course. The main mm-hmm. man is OBJ. You mm-hmm. still have Jarvis Landry. You have Nick Chubb emerging. Mm-hmm. You went and got Kareem Hunt. So is Njoku been forgotten? Yeah, I, th- I think that he's still solid. I, I think um, there's an expectation that he'd be this next elite wide receiver or tight end. I think having OBJ um, probably hinders his ceiling this year, but I still think that his floor is now higher because because of the offense that he's in, and I think that he's really going to have some huge games, and he's probably going to have some bad games. It's going to be a really consistent, inconsistent asset, but at the tight end position, if you can get like a couple hundred yard games during the season, like there's not many tight ends that can really do that. I think Njoku can definitely do that. I'll, I'll give some alpha insight for Spitta to try and do this and try to move into the top five. There's something weird going on. It's 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 a player. It's a splash pick. It's somebody that nobody expects, but obviously it didn't go through. But yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of glad this didn't happen because I'm sitting here at 1.4 and he would have had 1.2 and 1.7. But yeah, that embargo is on. But he did get the deal done with another GM with Geo and Alpha, and he traded OBJ for Michael Thomas. And he gave up Funches and Nick Mullins. Nick we Mullins. thought that was weird. It was, it was a strange trade, but basically, it's OBJ for Michael, Michael Thomas, Thomas right? Yeah. It's some change. Yeah. Michael Thomas uh, is uh, the, the fear is that what happens when Drew Brees retires? Is Michael Thomas going to be Michael Thomas, or is Michael Thomas already just elite enough where it doesn't matter? I think Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas. I think regardless of who the quarterback is, he's still going to be elite. I think just more of a 
how good is he gonna be? Like I think I think like just maybe the efficiency drops off, but at the same time he's still stuck. And Aaron was talking about this. He sees OBJ's uh, production go down with the Browns. I, do you think the opposite? I think it goes. I think it goes. Up. Like his his ceiling. His is ceiling higher. is much higher now. Much higher. This this offense is is gonna be interesting. It's different. It's definitely different than what he's used to in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there's like an obstacle or roadblock as far as like the playbook, the scheme for OBJ in the beginning, or is it just? He's it's a wheel. Baller. It's a wheels up for Odell Beckham. <laughs> the OBJ love here is real. It's huh? wheels up, man. I mean, for those of you that paid attention in the forum, <laughs> it's like, dude, I just put out the stats. I compared him to like some of the like probably in my opinion like top five to six greatest receivers of all time. Of all time, break he, it down. Here's the thing: through fifty six game or fifty nine games, um, the re- the rest of wide receivers that I put out there had played seventy six games. He'd only played 56 games for the first five seasons. So I compared the first five seasons, all five of them. Odell Beckham, per game, more receptions per game by a solid amount than any of the other receivers. We're talking Jerry Rice, Larry Fitzgerald, Marvin Harrison, um, Randy Moss. He's a Hall of Famer. Like some of the best receivers, and Calvin Johnson. So he number one in, in receptions per game among all these guys by a solid amount. Number one in yards per game. By all these guys, solid amounts. Uh, number three in touchdowns per game through all these guys through the first five seasons of the career, and this is with Eli Manning as your quarterback. Yeah, the statue in the pocket getting hit all the time. The total half of a shell of what he was yeah. in the prime of his career. Yeah. And now he gets Baker Mayfield. Gets Baker Mayfield. Gets an innovative offensive coach. Todd Monken and Freddie Kitchens are going to do numbers for that. We saw Baker Mayfield really get unleashed once Freddie Kitchens took over. Um, as the offense coordinator, um, uh, once Hugh Jackson got fired there, so it's really, I mean, it's it's, it's wheels up, man. Um, you don't feel like Jarvis Landry and Joker, they take away those targets at all? Maybe less volume, decreased volume. I still think OBJ is getting at least twenty five percent of the market share there. I mean, if you look, if you look at that offense though, it's it's likely going to be six hundred plus passing attempts. So mm-hmm. if you're getting twenty five percent, you're looking at one hundred fifty targets, which he's done a few times in his career, maybe like ten to. 15 less targets than he would have gotten in New York, but he's likely going to be more efficient with those targets. Like Last year, says 12 games he played, right? 124 targets. Yeah, so such a 10 catches. He still hit just over 1,000 yards, six touchdowns. So with four more games, he definitely probably would have been at 90-plus catches and oh, 1,200 yeah. yards at least. So... And this is with an offense that was starting to center all over, all around Saquon Barkley. Yeah. We saw with Saquon Barkley, and he still produced. Yeah. Still so, balled out. So maybe we shouldn't be too worried about OBJ's output. No, he was year. still good last year with with Eli Manning having one of the worst seasons. That I mean, it was it was bad. He was he was he was not as efficient as he was in other seasons, but he was still he was still getting the job done. I mean, I mean, if you extrapolate that to a sixteen game pace, we're looking at thirteen hundred yards, eight touchdowns, like ninety five receptions, which is very very good season. So. Yeah, I th- I, th- I think we could legitimately see like a sixteen hundred to seventeen hundred yard season with Odell Beckham, which wow, is we've huge. never seen it from him before. We've never seen it from him before. But I, I feel th- like we haven't seen his full potential. We've seen like maybe like ninety percent of what he can do. Yeah, ninety percent. Like, That's what I think. We need a fully healthy. That's a good Last time he played uh, 16. sixteen games, twenty sixteen. And he hit 101 catches for 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. Solid. That's pretty good, and that's with Eli. So we'll see if he can hit, like, those A-B numbers. Yeah, 100%. You know, which we've seen flashes of. So we know you're a big fan of OBJ, but you're also a big fan of this next guy that we're going to talk about here. Yeah. That's a rookie. All right. <laughs> the question is, and we've started to talk about him more in the forum, is Kyler Murray. Yeah. Is he a top five guy in the rookie draft? Top five. Like, usually these rookie quarterbacks, they go in, like, late first round for, yeah. for Dynasty. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. <laughs> He's not a top five? He's not a top five. Wow. Top five I, that was totally the opposite of what I thought you were going to say. No, no, he's been, not. You've been preaching Kyler Murray all, all... I have, and I love him, but <laughs> at some point there's a quarterback <laughs> issue here. It's like, quarterbacks only do so much. You're only starting one quarterback... Um, to pass up a running back or a potentially elite wide receiver for a quarterback, 
It's tough. See, so like my, my thing is like I'm in Trinity. I have the fourth pick. Wow. My quarterbacks are trash. Like my quarterbacks are like Andy Dalton, Josh Rosen, Eli Manning, and Marcus Mariota. So like I don't have a, I don't have a really good option there. I have the fourth pick. I know Kyler Murray is going to be available to me. Yeah. And I'm going to pass on him. I'm going to pass on him because I just I don't want that type of player on my team. I'd rather get like a running back or a wide receiver, someone who can really help me pay dividends immediately where it's not about need it's about the board the best player available that's yeah. what it's about for you yeah and I don't, I don't i don't think these leagues really will allow these quarterbacks to be that valuable i mean when you, when you look at you look at the fourth pick like you could probably trade that for like a baker or a luck or like one of those guys why why would i draft Kyler murray if i could try and trade that fourth pick for an already secured top five quarterback yeah you know so um, I don't think it's I don't think it's a terrible pick because I do think he does offer like this insane upside that a lot of people or a lot of QBs don't have. Like he reminds me of like a Lamar Jackson with passing upside, which is mm. like insane. If you look at Lamar Jackson last year, he was a stud. So it's not like Kyler Murray's gonna be bust. Just I don't know if I'm I would ever take a quarterback in the top five. We're talking like pick seven, eight, nine, ten. Cool. Like, this I'm is more, very rare for like if it was a super flex, that'd be a different story. Yeah. But. In a regular like PPR dynasty format, I don't know when's the when's the last time was a justifiable pick to take a rookie quarterback top five like Andrew Luck maybe Andrew Luck that's what it was exactly Andrew that's Luck exactly. so um, it yeah. has to be a guy where you have no question about him starting week one. Well, we know Colin Murray will start week one, but it just checks up all the boxes. This guy comes in in like. Peyton Manning form steps in and yeah. produces right away. 100%. He's pro ready right away. Feel like we don't know like, that about Kyler Murray. The, the the question is all off season is he pro ready? Yeah. So when you look at a guy like Baker Mayfield, who was drafted like probably like early second most most drafts last year. So yeah. I mean Baker Mayfield, who was like the top quarterback last year, and in my opinion. As a true passer, he's, he's, he's better than Kyler Murray. He's better than him. But how much is that rushing upside really going to vault a guy like... Like, imagine if Baker Mayfield had rushing upside, and he was a rookie, and no one knew what to expect of him. Would he be going this early? I don't know. I don't, I don't think he would, because... I mean, that's a jump, man. When you're able to constantly get these top elite rookie quarterback prospects, like Baker Mayfield, in the second round, and then you have this guy like Kyler Murray, it's like... That doesn't seem like a value anymore. It just seems like you're you're essentially hoping that at that pick, if you take him at the fifth, fourth or fifth or whatever you are, you are now hoping that he reaches upside. You're paying for his upside there, where I feel like in years past you didn't have to pay for that. And we have to factor in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. Will it uh, crash and burn in the NFL, or will it flourish? Will we see growing pains with this type of offense? That's Pretty much college style. Mm-hmm. It's suited for Kyler, but you know NFL defense, the schemes. It's just a totally different ball game. Do we see Kyler Murray throw for over or under four thousand yards if he starts a full season? I say probably under. To be under. Okay. Do we see him rush for over or under five hundred yards? Over, over. over five hundred yes. yards. Yes. Can he throw for twenty plus touchdowns? Yes. Yes. That sounds like pretty good numbers. Does he probably mm. throw more than 15 interceptions? Mm, probably around there. Yeah, probably around there because, you know, he's going he's gonna to have some growing pains for sure. And could he rush for eight touchdowns? Mm. That would be pretty that'd that'd be, be, that'd be, that'd be dynamic. <laughs> that would be really nice if he had around those 30 combined touchdowns, yeah. just under 4,000 yards, but not worth the top five picks in rookie drafts when you have so many other players. You're making a good position. point for him right now, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, in, the, in the podcast, no smoking allowed. No smoking allowed, dude. But in Matrix, we could see it go down. Yeah. This, this situation. Yeah. What do we know? Well, we, we can, we've talked about it in the forum. But we'll, like, as, as we progress here, we, Major has talked about it. Major has put it out there. Yeah. He said, if, hey, he's not falling past me at Vic Four, come get your guy. So, <laughs> so. That could definitely be smoked, though. It's it could, so it could, much. It, it could gets be worse smoked. and worse as offseason goes on. No, but I believe it, though. I believe that he'll, he'll be a top five pick in Matrix. I don't know how it is in Alpha. Um, but, Mike yeah. Medeiros has said it with the number one pick in Alpha. He said it's consider, he has to consider him, which is crazy. I don't know it's what wild. it is, this dynamic... I don't know this image of him 
We never said this about Baker Mayfield. No. After he, he got, he could be a better game. fantasy asset than Baker Mayfield. If he, if he reaches his upside as a passer, like he's definitely better than Baker Mayfield because Baker Mayfield doesn't offer that offer that rushing upside yeah, that he does. But, so. but Baker was definitely, I think he was a better prospect. Hundred percent, hundred percent coming out last year. All right, moving on. Top five rookie team fix. You have, you have, you have your top five rookies this, this, and their team fits in the draft. Yeah, this is at this point. This could fluctuate, but this was, you know, this is what we wait for the NFL draft to see where these guys that we love, where they land. Um, at number five, I'm going to go with Nikhil Harry and the Patriots. It's because I think there's going to be a learning curve. I, I love Nikhil Harry. You love Nikhil Harry. He reminds me of like Des Bryant, but even like bigger, stronger. He's great with the 50 50 ball opportunities. And then he gets possibly the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah. Question is, does he insert himself into the starting lineup right away? Um, there's no more Rob Gronkowski. I think that's the role he fills, though. That's Rob Gronkowski type role, like in the slot. Right? Yeah, exactly. And then, but you also have Julian Edelman mm-hmm. there. The Patriots are they going to try to run the ball more? They've got their. They've got different weapons. They're not out of this world weapons. They also signed um, Demarius Thomas. Does Demarius Thomas even make the roster? Maybe he's just depth. Maybe he's a mentor to Nick Harry. But I like, of course, I think everybody, when that pick was made, was like, wow, Nikhil yeah. Harry going to the New England Patriots, like he could he could get a ring. Like just yeah. on when I'm talking fantasy, like he goes into a winning culture right away. And he has no like real red flags on him. So I like that fit, that relationship. And the last time the Patriots drafted a first-round receiver, gosh, it was I didn't remember. way bad. There's something that they don't do. Just was like Dion Branch? Or was Branch their first-rounder? I have oh, no clue. No, I think they I know drafted. It's been a while. Who was it? There was. It definitely wasn't someone that ended up being real good. Mm-hmm. We would have remembered. But um, the last time that Tom Brady had an outside receiving threat, we know about the slot, the slot yeah. machine. Edelman, Welker, but the last time he's had like a perimeter guy, it's Randy Moss. Randy Moss. So this is also out. this is a boost for uh, this is a boost for Brady. Yeah. You know, to have a guy where you don't have to worry too much about his separation. You know, he's got to put that ball on target. Brady's great at doing that. One of the most accurate quarterbacks out there. Next at number four, I'm gonna go with uh, another favorite, Josh Jacobs to the Raiders. Um. I think this. What do you think about this fit? It's a it's, great fit. It's the. It was the most written on the wall pick. Yeah. In the first round, like judging that that marriage made in heaven, but now that he's there, how do you think? How do you think they use him? How does John Gruden use him? I'm. I'm he uses him as a three down running back. He gets him the balls, or he, you're not going to take a running back in the first round to not utilize him as a workhorse. Like I think they really understand what he's able to do as a receiver. And you saw how much Jalen Richard was able to be worked into the receiving game last year as a running back. Mm-hmm. I think Jacobs probably takes a little bit some of that maybe like later on in the season, but I really think that his role could transform into true three down running back. He's a mystery though in this case because we haven't seen we saw such a small sample size mm-hmm. out of college. So there's the people that believe that's a good thing and there's people that that's a bad thing. We haven't seen him grind it out game after game and produce and that could be, can he stay healthy all 16 yeah. games? Can he play all 16 games? Then there's a side that, hey, he hasn't done too much, no, not much wear and tear on his body, so it's great. He's fresh. But I guess we'll see. This, but that's, that's the gamble you take. He's the first running back taken off the board. And I think Derek Carr will check it down to him as well. Uh-huh. Um, it's all a question of that offensive line is going to be able to open some holes up for them. And if they're going to be a better on defense, are they going to be playing from behind, which means they're going to be running the ball less. Mm-hmm. Like, we've seen the Raiders last year. They were just terrible on defense. Have they really improved on defense, even with these first-round picks that they made with Cleveland Farrell and Abram? That, that, that's what we're going to wait on and see if that, uh, how that affects Jacobs. Now, at number three, Miles Sanders to Philly. You like Miles Sanders. Yeah. I, he kind of grew on me a little bit. At first, I was kind of wary of him. But taking over for Saquon Barkley, that's a big hole to fill. Mm-hmm. And he, he, I mean, the the knock on Sanders was like his production. But it's like if you're behind Saquon Barkley, you can't get any production there. But the thing is, once he got that opportunity to show that he could be the running back there, he he produced. Like he produced. He was very good as a junior. And you're looking at just athletic traits. Like most of the, most of the running backs in this class underwhelmed athletically. And Sanders was a, a very good 75th fifth percentile across the board. Everything so he's going to be able to do it. Goes to team now, 
the Philly with um with in Philly with the, the Eagles, Eagles there. Offense. Their offensive That's line is very good. They got weapons yes. around them like he's a perfect compliment. Like I don't think Jordan Howard really stands in the way. They don't really have a receiving running back there. Mm-hmm. I think he can really start to develop into a true three down running back. My question is Will they allow him to be that true three-down running back? Yeah. Are they going to use him as more of a leader? They're going to rotate him. Yeah. I, I don't think you get the output that you want um, right away in 2019, but the reason why I have him over Jacobs in this case, and this is not necessarily my board. We're talking about fits, yeah. like just what fits I like better. And he has a way better offensive line, and the Eagles' offense is um, more advanced to me and dynamic than the Raiders' offense. Mm-hmm. And Doug Peterson's offense, I feel like he's going to use him almost like how the Eagles used to use Brian Westbrook. Mm-hmm. But it's going to take some time because they do have – but I don't think Jordan Howard has anything to be worried about. question is, can he be a three-down back? And, and do the Eagles – do they rotate running backs too much? You have to be – you have to be cautious of that, too, and how they use him. At the same time, though, as Doug Peterson had a running back like Sanders, though, he's always had, like, committee-like running backs. Like, yeah. has he truly had a running back since he's been with the Eagles that can be relied upon as a workhorse? And maybe that's just what he's been waiting for. Maybe Sanders is the guy where he's like, all right, maybe we don't need a committee anymore because Sanders can do everything. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball. We don't need to mm-hmm. implement these guys for their specific roles and just have him be that whole. And the Penn State offensive line was not impressive at all. I think he still averaged, like, 5.7 yards a carry. He's just so shifty, and I feel like that's where the NFL is moving, where yeah. you don't need a total, like, grind, pound, like, big Adrian Peterson type back. You need a guy that's elusive, and he fits that role. He fit, He has those traits. Um, and number two is best fit. This is a dark horse. Paris Campbell to the Colts. Yeah, he's rising. <laughs> he's rising I quick. I remember talking to you back in the beginning of the year, and I was watching Dwayne Haskins' film, and Campbell kept popping up. Yeah. He just kept popping up, and I was like, dude, there's this guy here, number 21 on Ohio State. I hadn't known too much about him, and he was, like, not getting talked about. Slowly, slowly rising. He gets drafted. Where did he get drafted by the Colts? Was second or second third? Round. Second, second round. round. And now he goes right into that slot role, you know, and this T.Y. Hilton on the outside going deep, and then you also got Funches outside as, like, a perimeter player. There's going to be a good uh, market for him underneath down the seam Paris Campbell with Andrew Luck they love him man in like, the dome Frank Reich loves him I was watching like the Colts like behind the scenes war room and he was talking they like Frank Reich wanted to draft him with the 47th pick like he wanted to draft him earlier and make him the fourth wide receiver draft there they were shocked that he was still available they love him they love his character they say he's like true professional so like in terms of that like they think that he's going to be like very solid off the field, on the field, like work hard, come there. Well, they like as a player, they think that, I mean, at Ohio State, he never, like, was, uh, he never did much as a route runner, like, down the field. He was always, like, short little dump-offs. Mm-hmm. We used he him screens, on screen. a lot of screens. Because he was a running back. He was, he was a running back, and they kind of used him, like, in, like, a wide receiver slash running back role. But um, what they saw um, in the process was that, Hey, like this guy can do so much more than just what he was asked to do there. Yeah. And the, I mean, the early reports from OTAs right now are, I mean, all, all the beat reporters are saying, hey, Campbell is looking incredible. Like he's standing out. Like he looks head and shoulders above he's everyone. Just, like he could start day one. Yeah, start day one as the third wide receiver there with Funches and there, and that's a dynamic offense. You make he's probably not going to put up crazy numbers this year, but Funches on a one-year deal. Ebron and Doyle both have their contracts coming out after this year, and T.Y. Hilton's 29 years old. He's getting yeah. he's getting there. So he's entering that Doug Baldwin he stage. Is. <laughs> wow. it's, it's real. Like sooner or later, we're going to see. He's not going to get paid the money. Yeah. That he gets paid, and then it's going to be the Paris Campbell show, just like that. Yeah, just, just like, like that. that. So this is probably something that could take a year or two for him to really get there going. But like any time. Um, you're drafted the high and you have Andrew Luck as your quarterback. You have to be excited. He's got, he's got an all-pro QB. He's got the draft capital. And he has all the tools. One of the best offenses. And he has, no, yeah, and, and mm. they play in, indoors a lot. Yeah. And that Colts offensive line has been rebuilt from the ground up. Yeah. They've drafted so well. Shout out to Chris Ballard. The, he's in a prime position. Prime position. He can position. make a difference if you're in the fantasy playoffs, too. Yeah. Um, as your flex guy. That would be amazing. I love Paris Campbell. Big play potential there with that speed. Now, my number one. This was this was actually easy for me as a fit. David Montgomery to the, to the Chicago Bears. Nice. David Montgomery may not be um, 
This this running back class, you compare it to like, it you just know it's not the best running back yeah. class. But this is why landing spot matters, and this boosts David Montgomery's value. Chicago Bears traded up for him. Yeah. This was their first pick of the of their draft yeah. class in the third round, and right away, he fits into the role that Jordan Howard left. And he can produce even more in Matt Nagy's system, being compared to Kareem Hunt. What do you think yeah. about the comparisons to? I like Kareem it. Hunt? I, th- I think I think it's a fair comparison in terms of what they're able to do athletically, and um, the style of player that they are. Like I think that they have a very similar style, but I think that there's definitely something that Montgomery has to do to become Kareem Hunt, and that that's all up for interpretation. But in terms of like what he was able to do in college, in terms of you know, missed tackles. Like, he was among the elite, in, like, in this class and definitely up there in terms of the past few classes in terms of forcing guys to um, just, like, knock a tackle when he gets the ball in his hands. 98 broken tackles. There you go. Off in the top his career. Of your head. Pro, pro Football Focus graded and recorded, was it 98 or it's almost 100? Yeah. This is the most. Yeah. It's the most. He has the record in, in his college career. The guy breaks tackles. It is hard to tackle him. He's tough. And he has no like known character issues. Yeah. He has no attitude issues. He's he's just he's a football player. He was a captain. Um, and there's stories from his former coaches at Iowa State. They have a tie they have ties to the Bears in some way, but point is like this guy, he, he's the type that was working out in the gym Friday night mm-hmm. before the game and he showed leadership and he can catch the ball as well out of the backfield. Yeah, 100%. could he be the Bears next generation of Matt Forte? Wow, that that might be a hot take, but I mean, that, what Matt Forte did for the Bears. He can do everything. He can catch. I think. I think it's just the main question is how much is Tariq Cohen? Yeah, you know, he's definitely a three-down back. But yeah, you brought up the X factor here, Tariq Cohen. You know that. They, I don't think Tariq Cohen's going away. He's like, not going away, but at the same time, do they want him to be more? Uh, do they want to get him more than 100 carries? He's never had more yeah. than 100 carries. Yeah, no, I, th- I, th- I think I think when you're t- looking in terms of like rushing impact, I think Montgomery's definitely the guy there. Mm-hmm. My thing is like, is Montgomery going to be able to get that receiving production that's going to yeah. help him be that that true workhorse? You know? Yeah, but yeah, because Tariq Cohen's going to be that receiving back, but mm-hmm. they can they can have them both in the backfield. That's true. They, they can, can have both be on the field at the same time. Yeah, 100. Tariq Cohen can be in the slot. He can be flexed out. You can move him around. You can move Montgomery too. Montgomery has done the same thing. Yeah. That's why he's he's my. But Mike Davis could be that touchdown vulture, that goal line vulture. Yeah, could be but a slow long start. Term, right? this is your this is your workhorse back here. Yeah, man, yeah, I, I, I like that. I like that five. Dude, yeah. those are really That's good a solid fits. Five. There were some really good fits from other players. Let's talk. Let's talk about some a topic I just wanted to touch on. Was like yeah, produ- branching off this is huge. Yeah, like there are some guys who weren't necessarily top prospects coming out, but landed in prime prime spots to where it's like we have to think differently about them. A guy like mm-hmm. Nicole Hardman, the Kansas City Chiefs, it's the best example took Nicole Hardman as the fifth wide receiver over DK Metcalf, over Paris Campbell, over Hakeem Butler, over. Over all these guys, JJ Arcegoas, they took him before all these guys, and they traded up for him. Hardman was off like a lot of people's just like boards in terms of because they weren't they weren't expecting to draft this early because of lack of production. Yes, lack of production in college. He didn't do it there. Like, um, I mean, all he really did was ran a four three one, and it looks to have that speed factor He's that Tyreek Hill. star, yeah. But he didn't seem to be like a top wide receiver prospect, and it's like. No, no, no. But now you implement him, and you look at that wide receiver depth chart. Assuming, assuming tight rekill um, is suspended and or cut for the the Chiefs, Demarcus Robinson, uh, Garrett Dieter, like outside of Sammy Watkins, it's like it's rough at wide yeah. receiver. So he could immediately just like hop into that wide receiver two role, and. With Mahomes, who some would say is now the best young quarterback in the game, like something's got to give. Like he's probably going to outproduce what we all thought he was as a, a prospect. But is he really going to be able to do what Tyreek Hill did? And that's the main question. Is Mahomes gives him so much value? He does because of his track star speed and his ability to stretch the field. You just got to catch the ball yeah. now. <laughs> you just got to come down with it. Because when you have a quarterback, when you have the NFL MVP just launching the ball all over the place, your value, you're, you've stepped in into, it's like it's like building a house in a really nice neighborhood. The value yeah. automatically goes up. And like you said, production versus landing spot. Does he move up the board and outrank, which I've seen outrank a guy like A.J. Brown, 
ultimate producer, but yeah. now in Tennessee, where now his stuff, we've seen it kind of, not plummet, but it's definitely taken a huge hit ever 100%. since he landed in Tennessee. You look like, we love A.J. Brown. The two opposite prospects, and it's crazy. You look at a guy like A.J. Brown, who was looked to be one of the top three wide receivers coming out in this class. He ends up in probably the worst spot than any wide receiver going to Tennessee, low volume offense. Corey Davis already there, Marcus Mariota. Like, there's definitely concerns there. And you have like Hardman, no production, and then he goes to the best thing as well. It's like, how do you properly rank these guys? And I think that's the main question. Yeah. Is like, I feel like things change in the NFL. Maybe long term, AJ Brown is a better asset. But like, if you're looking for a win now, a guy who can help you years like one to three, maybe McCole Hardman is your guy. Maybe just getting a guy attached to Patrick Mahomes is the way to go like we don't know like it's or gonna does be the talent always rise to the top i think talent it? always rises to the top at the end of the day but i think it can take longer for some players like mm-hmm. it can take some lo- longer maybe it's it's year two or year three for aj brown before maybe they have a quarterback change or maybe they get a new coach or maybe maybe mariota steps up to the plate it's like mm-hmm. there's a lot of questions there right now but i think in the end it'll all be resolved and aj brown will truly be what he's supposed to be McCall Hardman, I think at the end of the day, is going to do things the first few years, which is going to be productive, be solid. But at the end of the day, I think he is what he is, and they're probably going to find another wide receiver. Maybe it's next year. Maybe yeah, it's he has year. to have the right quarterback. Yeah. He has to have the quarterback that um, specializes in the deep ball. Yeah. With A.J. Brown, though, if you're sitting at number five and he's still there, yeah. what do you do, man? Like, Do you pass him up? For someone else, because it's pretty soon, Marcus Mariota could be out of Tennessee. Yeah, they could just go a different way, and maybe they get um, I'm just spitballing. Maybe they get a Justin Herbert. Yeah, right. And then Corey Davis bust. Let's yeah. say that happens. It's yeah. officially termed. He's deemed a bust. All of a sudden, AJ Brown's the number one guy. You got a new franchise quarterback, a young guy that wants to lean on his yeah. wide receiver one. Yeah, and it's him. It's him. So you just gotta wait for a little true. while. So that the, this production versus landing yeah. spot is and then you a look very at a, big question. Then you look at a guy like Metcalf, where the production's not there, but there was a lot of hype around him. Like, yeah. like, like there, there's a lot of tools Some there. Some production, field. but could but, stay on the field. Yes. Deep ball production. Now you get him to a guy like Seattle, Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin's gone. It's like there's now room for him to now step into the wide receiver too. Where. Um, I think he's definitely got to be ranked higher than Michael Hardman because I think they're going into similar situations in terms of they're both going to be the number two. Okay, Hardman's not going to be the number two weapon, but he's going to be the number two receiver. I think Metcalf can hop in and be the number two weapon, like the number two overall target guy there in Seattle right off the bat. Um, but it's in a lower volume offense. Yeah. I think there's things there, but time they run yourself. They the ball. That's what they yeah. do. It's Brian Schoenheimer. <laughs> Brian Schoenheimer. How long is Brian Schoenheimer going to be true. offensive coordinator? They're probably not yeah. for a long, long time. Yeah. But Metcalf could also, he could become the wide receiver one there sooner than we think. He could overtake Lockett. Who knows? Just because of his size and what he brings to the table. And then Lockett, it just is that slot guy and takes over that Doug Baldwin role. Yeah. And when you're running the ball, and he's getting one-on-one coverage, he should win yeah. a majority of the time. He should win those jump balls. He should win that one that one versus one. You need a red zone weapon. I think that that's really something that Russell Wilson has been lacking the past few years. So Metcalf is really interesting, man, if you're in the top five and top six. Yeah. Like, do you pull the trigger? Yeah. Or is he just going to be this 45-catch-a-year, 800 yards, yeah. Is like that bad though? Touchdowns. Is yeah, that bad? yeah, isn't that bonuses? When, when he can be, when you hope that he can be that Calvin, yeah. like ninety catch, fourteen hundred yards, fifteen yeah. times. Man, that's what I love about the rookie draft. You don't know what you're. There's gonna get. so much. After the patient. first few picks, it's like it's a crapshoot, man. Yeah, like, you're just rolling the dice. Got dude. Campbell, Brown, Hardman, Metcalf. So oh, you guys, guys chime in, I mean, I don't know, in the conversation on the forum or on this, but like production versus landing spot, what matters more to you when you're stacking your board? Yeah. But, all right, our final topic here. I love this topic love because it. we're already looking ahead. We're <laughs> watching we've film been ahead. on the 2020 wide receiver class. And the question, the hot question here is, is this 2020 class, could it be better than the 2014 class no erase the output and the results after the draft like pretend you're in a time machine and we don't know what's going to happen to the 2014 receivers we don't know that obj is going to do what obj did etc um 
Mike Evans, the list goes on. Brandon Cooks, Landry. Brandon Cooks. Landry. Sammy Watkins was the first wide receiver Alan taken Robinson. out of them. Jordan Alan Matthews, Jay. I mean, he produced for a little bit. Paul Richardson. Uh, there's just so many good. There's probably like eight, at least eight guys. Yeah, eight solid. You count it all up. Devontae Adams, too. Devontae Adams? Oh, yeah. my goodness. This 2014 wide receiver class, man. And now they're in the prime of their careers. But this 2020 class, does it is it up there? What, what do you what do you like about this 2020 class? I think there's a lot of for what the NFL is now. I think there's a lot of good playmakers for it. Like if you look maybe at the 2014 class and compare it, I don't think there's really true prototypical number one receivers. Maybe there's a guy like Chanel who has the prototypical size, but when you look at everyone else, like they're all like underweight, they're all under 200 pounds. So I think they're more of like more of like separation get open which is what the nfl is turning into now so when you look at those guys i think that it's a very solid class i'm not sure it has the elite elite guys maybe like a couple but i don't think it has like the the amount of elite guys that the 2014 class like jordan matthews coming out was an elite prospect dante mockery coming out was an elite prospect and these guys never actually ended up doing anything well they did for a little bit but they never truly ended up becoming the the stud wide receivers that we hope they can and at the end of the day, is some of these guys in the 2020 class that we think are this good, a couple of them probably aren't going to pan out. So Yeah, that's just the way yeah. it is. But just looking at them in their college bubbles, I mean, LaVisca Chanel, he's just he's a beast. 6'2", 220. I mean, you can put him in the freaking backfield. He, plays, yeah. he does wildcat um, plays for, for Colorado. Could he be Sammy um, Watkins we've hoped for? He's explosive, yeah. yeah. He could be the – he's, like, bigger and better um, – and then you've got Jerry Judy, who's, like, breaking ankles at Alabama. Oh, he's, yeah, he's not the biggest, but he cut on a dime. Yeah. He's explosive. Um, he's got great tools, great hands. And you got C.D. Lamb, who's just From smooth Oklahoma. as he moves, and he navigates his routes. Great hands. And, great, and, of course, his hands are great, too. And he's better, like, I think better than Marquise Brown. Yeah. And this was a, this was a, offense, a lot of weapons. Yeah. Oklahoma's just producing these weapons and cd lamb's gonna get talked about is this is he the best receiver then you got uh, t higgins t higgins Clemson. great deep threat brian edwards from south carolina who is just as good as debo samuel this year some thought if, if he came out this year people would have thought highly, more highly of him than debo samuel so it's like you look at brian edwards you look at tyler johnson who decided to stay there in minnesota who would have been one of the best wide receiver prospects in this class TCU Horn Frog, Jalen Ragor, Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State. There's so many guys in this class that are like that have this. But like you compare them to the 2018 class. It's better. I mean, it's yeah. better than 2018 wide receiver class. I mean, it's probably. I mean, when you compare it, it's probably the best wide receiver class since 2014. And then we're looking at that's only wide receivers. Let's talk about the running backs now. Yeah. And I think I think it's almost on par with what we've seen in 2018, 2017. You have guys like DeAndre Swift, who has the potential to be like a, a oh, Zeke like wow. a Zeke like impact year one, or a, or a Travis Etienne from uh, Clemson as as a great guy who can do everything, speed guy. And then Cam Akers is these this uh, handful of backs yeah. that are being talked about highly. And then the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks. This this Two first round next year. It's gonna watch, be loaded. Watch what happens when people try to trade into this first yeah, you guys, round. The you people guys, who don't have first round picks yeah. are gonna just start falling in love, and they're gonna do what they gotta do to get these picks. Yeah, because these and picks are gonna be. How very, many uh, first round picks do you have right now? <laughs> in which twenty twenty? And matrix. Okay, matrix. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> Seven. Okay. You. Got, <laughs> oh, it's just probably gonna be a long story again how you got those first round picks. I'm sure people could find out on the forum. But that's that's a lot. I traded my whole team for them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, literally, I literally put my faith in this 2020 class. Trinity? I got three. Okay. So combine ten. First, for now. Time. So you got to kill Yeah, for now. You <laughs> can try to get more or you can use it to get players. But most likely, like, knowing this crop, knowing this talent. Oh, man. I got four in alpha. Wow. And I'll bring it up. We didn't really talk about this. But somehow, I didn't think I would get it. But to get the first round pick by trading Jarek McKinnon. Wow, that's gonna look like a steal year from now. <laughs> you can get two Jarek McKinnons next year. <laughs> Jarek McKinnon for a first round pick, man. Like, but you guys already know. You guys should know this. But just start watching this 2020 wide receiver class, and just you'll see the difference. Yeah. And and this will be the debate that will continue, like comparing it to 2014. 
look for those comps. Just like I was looking at um, the Kill Harry and then watching Des Bryant film. I'm just like, man, like, dude, history kind of repeats itself. Like, yeah. the NFL is still looking for the same type of prospects and yeah. they're still trying to use them the same way. So, 100%. man, I'm excited. And we haven't even gone to our 2019 rookie draft. <laughs> no, not yet. Yeah. All right, man, we got dropped a lot of content. We I did. hope you guys were listening through the whole almost an hour. It's a good a lot, going a lot on. of ground. Cover a lot of ground. What can we expect here from uh, trades going on? What's, what's brewing down a matrix? Anything we're going to see? Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I can only speak for Alpha, but there's not much as far as that broken down trade, that, that OBJ trade, the embargo. <laughs> um, but now, it's, Spitta is a, very active right now. Yeah. Spitta is definitely trying to make some moves. And he's definitely trying to, he don't, he's not done trying to get into the top five of yeah. the Alpha Rookie Draft. Wow. What does that mean? Who could he be targeting? He posted today something about a player. He be mystery man. Mystery <laughs> man himself. <laughs> and then hopefully we can, in the next few episodes, can we get an Omega member on here? And yeah. can we talk about this announcement that's been made about this female member? Yeah. And just like, what's going to happen with that? Like. Yeah, that's what's, huge. Yeah. That's history. That's and, groundbreaking. And some people hate it, and some people are all for it. But it changes the culture of GN for sure. And when are we going to see these new members, man? This yeah. is probably the most secretive administration in GN history. Wow. The most secretive, definitely for sure. Trinity, it was very like public, and it was like, this is our meet him, meet him, meet him, and it was like already ready to go at this point with all the members. My thing is, I don't think they have all the members yet. Yeah, I think well, if they're still, being really choosy, that's fine. I that's actually, good. that's I support that because it's still early. Um, but Spitta, this is his first time in in the commission office, and he's he's busy making trades. Yeah, I, I I would assume that he's taking the same time to focus on the league opening. Yeah, he said he has though behind the scenes. I mean, obviously <laughs> we all want it to be public, but we honestly we truly don't know what's going he's on. He's got a good counsel that will help him hold him. I'm not saying that he needs it, but he's got a good counsel that's working behind the scenes. Yeah, so we'll definitely see how it all plays out. So we'll see, but uh, ho- hopefully that all starts coming to fruition here soon and we can really start to meet the members, get them on the podcast, talk to them, and then really see how the draft plays out in Omega. See, see who gets what. To see if. Uh, <laughs> What's the next draft? We have Trinity, right? Yeah. Trinity's Trinity. the next one. Yeah. So we have to wrap up and we have to find out who gets picked where, and that's going to dictate yeah. a lot in influencing and yeah. talk about the fallout of that draft it's a slow draft yeah it is wow. a slow draft yeah we can't we can't uh, tip our hand too much so i think <laughs> got the fourth pick there so i may just trade out completely so you're withholding your info you're bored <laughs> <laughs> all right guys Gru nation salute to you guys man all right guys we'll peace out